Welcome to Full Contact Podcast, where I am back for another week. These guys were here last week. They know what's going on. Uh, today, we're going to bang out our top five running backs at the current moment. But first, we're going to get to some quick hitters. But before that, hey, Sharif. Hey, Nick. Sorry. <laughs> hey, how's it going, bro? <laughs> you know, I just ate, so I'm getting all the energy ready to go. All right. Now, quick hitters. Oh, got to turn my phone off. My bad. And... So, the NBA and the NHL have started their season restarts. Uh, the NBA has been doing pretty well. I've watched it. They seem to be getting their legs back. I mean, what do you think, Shreve? Are you ex- is this a meeting your expectations? Um, I mean, actually, the games have been more exciting than I was expecting early on. I mean, you got to think a lot of these guys haven't touched a basketball in three to four months. So, I mean, you can see, like, especially with the uh, the Clippers and Lakers game on Thursday night, there was, like, the Lakers had, like, almost 20 turnovers and the Clippers had, like, 15. Like, that's the kind of stuff that's going to – it's going to get uh, smoother over time. It's just guys don't really – haven't really played. So, you expect, like, sloppy play and, you know, careless turnovers and, you know, Kawhi shooting, like, 20% during those three <laughs> scrimmages. But um, – Actually, I've, it's exceeded my expectations so far. I mean, what's the presentation look like? You, do you like the way that they dress up the court and stuff, you know, or the surrounding areas? One thing that I could do without is these Zoom fan things. I don't really, I don't really care for it, you know. Ooh, I, don't really, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Like, I, <laughs> it's cool when they just, you know, randomly pan over and, like, if – you know, Kawhi gets a dunk or LeBron makes a big three. You see, like, their fan club on the screen. And, you know, people are cheering. And I think it's cool. And, I mean, the only thing is, like, I thought the the pumped-in, like, crowd noise was going to be a cool thing. Then you're, like, randomly watching the game, and it randomly comes on. And you're like, wait, nothing happened yet. So, um, Wait, can I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Can we advocate for, like, a higher frame rate on these Zoom call people who are, like, in there? Yeah, I swear they are like the the laggiest, slowest, uh, like videos that I've ever seen. It's slower has, than my Xbox connection. As oh Nick's God. as Nick's video lags as he's talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not everybody has high speed internet, Nick. No. Damn, your expectations are too high. Lower them a little bit. Oh boy. I, honestly, I think for what it turned out to be, because I did not know what to expect. I don't think anybody did because of, you know, these unprecedented circumstances. But I think the NBA's – I think the NBA's done the best they could have done regarding the circumstances. Well, as it turned to the sport that I love and got my flyer stretcher on or my jersey, whatever you want to call it, uh, the flyers play today is Sunday. So they played today at three o'clock. So you better not better believe that I'm going to be watching that all the whole way through. I wasn't exactly sure what the expectation was going to be for these NHL games returning. And then I saw the first three minutes of the Rangers and Hurricanes game. And I got, I, I think I actually jumped up out of my seat watching this game. I saw two big hits, a fight, and a goal. And it was three minutes into the game. Oh, wow. Jeez. It's like, hockey is back. <laughs> hockey is hockey's in full swing. It is, it, it's playoff time. You know, I watched the, the exhibition games. Now each one got one game. And I was like, kind of whatever, you know. They were kind of like not taking it too seriously, I guess. But some of them are taking it seriously. But I got to tell you, the first day was amazing. <laughs> The first day was really good to watch. I mean, how can you not appreciate the Penguins losing? Or, you know, how can you appreciate the Rangers not not winning, you know? And some teams look ready to go, and some teams do not. So, day two comes up today. Starts at 12. I'm really excited. 
<laughs> as you can tell. But they're doing the same thing. They they have a cool presentation where they dressed up one one half of the arena. Like obviously the cameras are gonna go to the other side of the arena. But they dressed up the one half of the arena. It looks really good. A lot of cool TV technology things going on and above the stands. And again, they have the Zoom people that I could do with or without. Don't really care. I just, you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of videos nowadays are coming up with the fans cheering and stuff. And they're like those little kids cheering. I'm like, I, that doesn't really get me juiced up for anything. <laughs> I, you know, I do have to say, um, it's not exactly the same. I saw, you know, you, you see stuff posted on like ESPN on their uh, Facebook page or their Twitter or whatever. And I saw, I think it was uh, Judge hit a home run yesterday. And I was looking into the stadium. And I looked in the outfield, like in the stands, and I'm like, oh, my God, they have fans. And then, like, it took me a second. Uh. <laughs> I was like, those are all just cardboard cutouts, and I'm a straight-up idiot. <laughs> so see? Some of the, cutouts. It makes some you of the uh, Some of the cardboard cutouts are a little obnoxious, I'll say. Well, yeah. They had like two, they had like four normal people sitting in a row, and then they had this like gigantic baby head that was like almost the size of the entire seat. And I was like, "What the? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god!" Only base, only baseball fans. You know what? And somebody was saying, you know, they were doing like all the uh, the kneeling for the anthem and stuff, and they're all holding that like black ribbon. And the and then in the background you have these silly cardboard cutouts and people are like, Can we do away with this? They're making some like what would have been an amazing photo into this like a gong show. It looks terrible. <laughs> you got these like goof you have like these goofy ass cutouts in the background just smiling. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm somebody that's just like I'm cool with it. I'm cool if they want to do the pumped-in crowd noise or not. I really don't care. It doesn't do anything for me, you know. And some of the teams are doing, some leagues are doing it correctly. Like base, like baseball is not doing it correctly. <laughs> baseball is, is like, how often is there a full stadium besides maybe the top four teams? And I'm supposed to suspect now that the Marlins have a full stadium, by the way, who haven't played in weeks. Look, look, if you're going to do the Marlins right, they have, to, they have to start with the stadium empty, and then they have to have their staff, like, slowly bringing their uh, cutout. cardboard cutout fans and putting them in. That's the only yeah, way that you can do They don't fill Miami the seats. Right. You know, even the Mets don't fill the seats, and they have a semi-decent team. Yeah. Nope. Baseball hasn't filled seats in a long time. And yet they're offering these gigantic contracts. But that's not the biggest problem with baseball right now. Biggest problem right now with baseball is that the Marlins are completely botching this whole season for everybody. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it must have, I think it's up to like 17 Marlins are now like are diagnosed. Like, what are they doing? This is terrible. There was Maybe. a report that came out uh, that mm-hmm. kind of highlighted their irresponsibilities and <laughs> stuff like that. And I, it just makes me think, like, the Florida – or the Miami Marlins are literally Florida man. Like, they <laughs> are the Florida man of baseball. Well, until now, they weren't exciting. They were just there. <laughs> well, now they're exciting. <laughs> you know, the Marlins were like – I want to say that they're like the Cleveland Browns of the baseball world. They're just kind of there. No rhyme or reason. They get rid of any of the good players that they've had. They try to bring in nice players, but they don't pan out, you know, and and now they're just screwing up the entire season for everybody. Where to go? The biggest contribution Thanks, the Marlins have had in baseball for years is possibly getting the season shut down. All right, Bryce, so what do we have lined up today? So today we're going to go with the top five running backs. And you know what? Nick had a detailed list, and he wants to do it in a different way. He's, to, he's going to 
transcend the top five list order, I guess. Yeah. Do you want me to get started? Yeah, if you do, go for it. All right. So just to break down what I'm going to do here, um, we, we were kind of talking, and we're going to have some differences between us. Um, but there's a few guys who, you know, if you ask nine out of ten people, they're going to list these same three, four guys in their top five list. So I want to start with number four, and then I'll work four through one, and I'll circle back through five, because I think that five for me is my most interesting. So I'm going to save that one for last. Um, I will start with my honorable mention, uh, who is Joe Mixon. I think that he – the book is not written on Joe Mixon. Uh, you've seen brilliant flashes of Le'Veon Bell-like patience. Um, he's a adept receiver, which has been kind of overshadowed because they have Giovanni Bernard there. Um, he's just really hard to – judge because he plays for such a bad offense you know there's not a ton of scoring opportunities um they don't move the ball well so they get behind in the chains I think Joe Mixon is very talented I think that he could end up being in the top five I just don't know where he is right now okay so that's my honorable mention now I'll get into number four uh Nick Chubb I love me some Nick Chubb and I don't have a ton of stats to, to really back up everything for him, but Nick Chubb ranks third in the NFL in 2019 in yards after contact, but he also ranked first in pro football focuses elusiveness rating. That combination right there says it all. Like Nick Chubb is a hard guy to bring to the ground. I, I think that he has kind of outperformed his opportunity over the past couple of years. Uh, I think he averages like five, five or 5.1 yards per carry. He's unreal. And this is while fending off Kareem Hunt, who we know is, uh, you know, tremendous talent. I also think that he's an underrated receiver. And I'm not saying that it's the strongest point in his game, but I think that he's a solid receiver. Um, he just so happens that he's had to battle with uh, Kareem Hunt and Duke Johnson for the past couple of years for uh, receiving opportunities. All right. Number three. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he could easily, easily, easily be higher up on this list. Um, unfortunately, he's coming off of what was considered a down year 2019 where he was battling a high ankle injury. Um, imagine this. He, he, so with the high ankle sprain in a down year, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry. That's a down year for Saquon Barkley. <laughs> What? It's a shame. Like, really? really? <laughs> it is a down year. I mean, not in efficiency, but just overall production, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, he missed games, and I, he still had to deal with uh, Daniel Jones taking the reins and everything like that. It was a down year, but, like, that's still crazy. And he played on that high ankle sprain. He didn't even look right for the first couple of weeks that he was back. Right. Um, I think that Saquon is the most talented running back in the NFL. Um, he has everything you want. He's got the size, um, home run hitting ability. Um, my personal issue with him is he, te- he, he doesn't know when to give up on a play, which you admire, but also can land you negative six yards or something like that from time to time. Um, tremendous receiver, plays behind a bad offensive line on a team that is in a weird place. Um, it seems like in his uh, time in the NFL, the Giants are in flux. They're in this kind of transition mode. Um, I think that once they have some kind of semblance of a decent offense going around them, Saquon is really going to shine. Um, number two, I, I might make some waves here. Mm-hmm. I go number two, Christian McCaffrey. And I'm not sure, is that disrespectful to put him number two um, after the season um, that he just had? Yeah, because he was like the second or third guy in NFL history to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving. Didn't he have a, almost a hundred catches? Uh, or he I, had 116. Never mind. Go ahead, Nick. Just, just, just go with your point. You imagine right. if Tom Brady ended up on the Panthers? He'd right. have another hundred catches. So, I do have a reason for that, though. Um, 
it's it's more to do with what I'm looking for in my running backs. The fact that Christian McCaffrey made it to number two based on what I like in my running back says a lot a lot about how good he is overall. Um, my ideal running back is a big, big bodied kind of bruiser, which Christian McCaffrey is not. Just for comparison, Christian McCaffrey is 30 pounds lighter than Saquon Barkley. Um, and given his usage, he had, what was it, 403 touches last year. You would think a guy with his stature, his body, like his body style, really wouldn't make it in this NFL. But he is surprisingly durable. And it's, it gets me every time because every season I kind of think I'm waiting for the injury for Christian McCaffrey and it never comes. Um, oh, the other thing. The Panthers, uh, for the past couple of years, everyone's known that the Panthers' offense is Christian McCaffrey. Right. Like, that is what it is. And no one can stop it. As bad as the offense is overall, like, Christian McCaffrey continues to do his thing, and it's, it's beyond impressive. Right. All right. Number one, is if you he- haven't guessed, it, it is Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. Um, <laughs> Now, there's, there's arguments to be made against Zeke as your number one running back. Um, some people have said that he's lost a step, that he doesn't look as explosive as he did in years past. And, I mean, if, if you look at it in isolation, I could say, yeah, he doesn't look like he has the elite breakaway speed that he did in maybe his rookie year. But I, I want to put things in perspective for you real quick. There are tons and tons and tons of stats out there. I don't have all of them here about holdout running backs performing in their season. So we all know that Ezekiel Elliott held out last year. He was in Cabo working out. Um, And he comes back, rushes 301 times for 1,357 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. Um, And people are looking at that like it's a down year, like Zeke's loss of step. How crazy is that? Like. If, if that is Zeke losing a step in a year where he basically didn't work out with his team, that's crazy. Um, I think that he's an underrated receiver. He is a true, like, three-down workhorse. Um, I don't think that the Cowboys make the, the best use of his receiving abilities. Um, he's a tremendous pass blocker. I mean, how many times have you seen Zeke just cut, cut someone down, like, chop block? Or not a chop block, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He's a – He's incredible. And then the thing that really stands out to me, I, I have two things that I love about Zeke. Durability. Like, you're never worried about Ezekiel Elliott's durability. He's, you, he, I don't think he's ever missed a game due to injury. Uh, yeah. He's missed a game because of um, some off-the-field antics, we'll say that. Yeah. Um, but how often have you seen Zeke get popped in your worry? It just doesn't happen. <clears throat> Zeke is usually the one dishing out the hits. He, uh, he falls forward every time he runs. Right. So I think that is super impressive. And then the other thing that I love about Zeke, <clears throat> and this is kind of a difference between him and Christian McCaffrey and Saquon a little bit. Zeke is not often breaking off this uh, 40, 50-yard run. But when you hand the ball off to him, you pretty much know that you're going to get five yards per carry, you know? Um, and I think that that consistency uh, says so much about the style of player he is. It, it's so much more important to get the five yards per carry than, uh, you know, you have four yards that go for one carry and then you break one for 30 yards. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that that consistency every down is phenomenal. I, I really think that Ezekiel Elliott, as it is right now, is your best true runner in football um, and everything that you want in a running back. All right. So that takes care of my top four and my honorable mention. Now I'm going to circle back to five because I think that this is where it's going to get interesting. I I really don't think that you guys are going to agree. But for number five, I took Mark Ingram. Um, I think that's a kind of a weird one. But if you look – what's that? (laughs) <laughs> no, I just said, um, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, 
I, I just want to say, like, if you look back at Mark Ingram's career, all the dude does is ball. Um, and I, I kind of realized that in fantasy football, every year Mark Ingram is drafted as like a RB2 slash sometimes RB3. And then he ends up as like a back-end RB1. And every year I look back and I'm like, how did I fall for this again? Um, Mark Ingram has lived with Sean Payton, who's a great offensive mind. Um, obviously, he played this past year with Lamar Jackson, which made a, a lot of running opportunities, a lot of lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he has played in two systems, excelled in two systems, he has a career 4.6 yards per carry, um, and he's 30 years old. And the other thing is he kind of seems like he's getting better with time. And, again, that might be attributed to the change in system. Um, but I think that every year Mark Ingram has been reliable. He's a decent receiving back. I think that's an underrated part of his game. I think that he's mostly thought of as kind of just your um, first and second down kind of guy. Um, he has had some injuries. He's played for, like, a long time now, I think, like, eight, nine years. Um, I, I just – I like Mark Ingram a lot. I think that he doesn't get enough love for what he's done throughout his career. Right, and that's my top five. Uh, you you said you like big body bruising running backs, but you really only picked one of those guy kind of guys. Well, you I think Saquon Barkley. Huh. You went pretty undersized with the running back situation there. Well, I don't really consider Nick Chubb a small guy. I think he's he plays big. You know what I mean? Um, the fact that he's third in yards after contact, like he he's dishing out I'm some just, hits. I'm just saying, I, like you 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 made it a point to say that, like that your ideal running back is that guy. But I mean, to me, it's a couple a few uh, undersized guys. I was a little more surprised that he went to the lighter end. Well, Mark Ingram's short, but he's stocky. Yeah. Yeah. And then Saquon Barkley, he he plays elusive, but he's another big, big guy. He's got a really really good stiff arm. He's he's planted a few people in a a grave somewhere. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Not bad, though. I can I can get with most of them, but I think you left off a big name. But I'll get back to that in a little bit. All right, that, that's why it's Shreve, my list, go ahead. not yours. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Go ahead, Shreve. <laughs> All right, so um, I'll start. I'll go from five to one. Um, five is going to go with uh, Nick Chubb. Okay. Um, for various reasons, as Nick eloquently pointed out, pretty much everything that we know about Nick Chubb. My honorable mention, um, as we talked about pre-show, is Leonard Fournette. Um, I actually want to go into that. So I guess it's understandable because Leonard Fournette has played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and obviously they've been a team that's been one of the most unfortunate teams since they came into the league. But – it's just crazy to me to see people like we talked about before uh, we started the pod that, you know, some people have him as like a middle of the road running back and some people have him barely cracking a top 10. And I'm like, if you see this guy play, you know that he's one of the better running backs in the league. And if he was in a better situation, which would pretty much be any other team, but the Jaguars, Leonard Fournette would probably be a top five running back. No question. But we are where we are, so we have to look at it like that. You know, Leonard Fournette, I mean, you even look at this past season, just, I mean, not the most efficient, but still put up 4.3 yards per carry. He was very unluckily unlucky in the touchdown department because he only had three total touchdowns and they were all rushing. But you think about it, he had 76 catches for 522 y- receiving yards. No touchdowns. And then you think about – it's funny that Nick brought up Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram had a third of the catches, half as many receiving yards, and had five more receiving touchdowns. So 
I, sometimes it's just a luck of the draw. So that's honorable mention, Leonard Fournette. Nick Chubb is five. Um, four. Let's see. Four. I'll go with Alvin Kamara. Um, it didn't look like much this past year because I think he had a similar situation to uh, Saquon Barkley, you know, dealing with – I don't know if it was a high ankle sprain variety, but dealing with – basically playing through injury, you, you could sit out and no one would bat an eye, but you could play through and Kamara chose to play through it. But I think ever since Kamara, even when he was playing on Mark Ingram, we know that this guy is the epitome of a dual threat at running back. Uh, you know, and I mean, to this day, you still can't figure out how Alvin Kamara, who's not the biggest guy in the world, finds a way to not get hit ever. Like, it's it's uncanny at this point. So, I mean, I scratched this past year because we know what this guy can do, um, especially, you know, running the ball. He's a very efficient runner, as we talked about, very elusive and can catch the ball in the backfield with the best of them. So, I think as long as he's healthy – He'll show he's a top five running back again. Um, three, I got Saquon Barkley. Um, I agree with everything Nick said, and Barkley is one of the most talented. He's probably the most talented running back to come in the NFL since Adrian Peterson, which is big praise. It's just – it's a combination of playing for the Giants, who have been – an inept offense, to say the least. And then, obviously, this past year, he wasn't in his best form until the second half of the year when he looked like he started recovering from the high ankle sprain. And at that time, the Giants were pretty much playing for draft position. So, you know, I kind of want to throw out this past year, too. So, it was at three. Um, two, I have Zeke for obvious reasons. I did want to touch on the whole – Zeke took a step back. It annoys me to no end just because it's kind of like the Patrick Mahomes argument where, like, people want to say just because he didn't throw for 5,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns that he took a step back. I mean, yes, in, in a vacuum, he did take a step back. But Patrick Mahomes still had a top two quarterback season, and I feel that way about Zeke. Zeke may not have had his rookie year this past year, but the dude still had 1,300 rushing yards, four and a half yards per carry, 12 rushing touchdowns. Then on, if people want to talk about if Zeke isn't really that much of a receiving back, had 54 catches, 420 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. So he probably could have had two or three more. I mean, Zeke is probably – if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, Zeke would be number one. And then, obviously, that goes into Chris McCaffrey being number one for me. I don't know how he does it because, like Nick pointed out, he's 30 pounds lighter than Saquon Barkley but has managed to stay much healthier than Saquon Barkley. I mean, obviously, Saquon's not getting, like, I guess you could say, like, chest injuries or, like, you know, shoulder injuries. Like, he's getting a foot injury, which anyone can get no matter how big you are. But – McCaffrey has been everything the Panthers could have asked for. And I don't I know I know the conversation when it comes to running back economics, but I think if you want a transcendent talent, you gotta pay up, no matter who it is. And McCaffrey's just one of those guys. So that's my top five plus the honorable mention of Leonard Fournette. I, I have no qualms. He still left out a big name to me, and he's on my list for sure. I know who Brian's thinking. I don't want to steal his thunder, <laughs> but I know who Brian's thinking. Definitely thinking Derek Henry. Yep, yep. A, a guy that I do not like. <laughs> wow. Harsh. I mean, he didn't make Harsh. my top five for a reason. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> well, whatever, man. That's fine. Bestow us with your wonderful list, Brian. <laughs> So I guess I'll do an honorable mention also. Um, I think Chris Carson deserves a nod. Chris Carson kind of kind of falls into the background of that Seattle offense where Russell Wilson is like the center point of that thing, and they don't have a great offensive line. So the fact that he can rattle off another 1,000-yard season is really impressive to me. 
considering, like, what did most of these running backs have in common? They have good offensive lines. I mean, you know, Dallas has a good offensive line. I think Carolina's is still serviceable where Christian McCaffrey can do those things, but he ended up being their whole offense last year, but I'll get on him. He's on my list. Don't worry. I'm not, like, super crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me go with number five will be the rookie, Josh Jacobs, a guy that I feel like the Eagles should have absolutely picked up, but I'm not going to complain about them picking up Miles Sanders, who turned out to be really good this year. Um, he's in an odd position right now. Uh, I don't, I'm not in love with whatever John Gruden is doing with the offense over there. I mean, not you really in love with Derek Carr, I guess. Uh, I think Derek Carr is phenomenal. I'm, not, I'm saying John Gruden is not in love with Derek Carr, which I don't know why. He's, he's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with Derek Carr. Somebody's got somebody's got some background feed. Were you going to say he's phenomenal? He's top five. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but I think Josh Jacobs coming into his uh, rookie season, he draws comparisons with, like, uh, I would say Ezekiel Elliott, guys who you've put at one and two in your list. So, I mean, why not throw him in the mix, you know? Because, I mean – He's a power. He's kind of an inside runner. He can see him running between the tackles, but he can also get to the outside. And I, I, I really like the way this kid's going to get going. And especially he's going to get into a new city. He's going to have a different atmosphere than that garbage Oakland Coliseum. So maybe he'll be a little more comfortable with running and getting used to all that. So I have Mr. Josh Jacobs at number five. Number four would be... Mr. Chubb, a guy that, you know, uh, really, by my own fault, doomed my entire fantasy football season last year because I was afraid with Kareem Hunt coming back, but that was really stupid in hindsight. But there's no denying his talent. There's no denying his running ability. He's he's, he's, he's there, man. Um, coming to number two uh, all uh, last year with the rushing yards, so he had 1,400, 1,494 yards. He was six yards shy of 1,500. You know, he also had eight touchdowns, which is not bad. And he's going to rattle off five yards per, per attempt. That's just – that's elite stuff right there. That's that's top rate. That's top notch. Top, top notch. Number three will be Christian McCaffrey. He had an amazing season, both rushing and receiving. Obviously, like 1,000, 1,000, that's unheard of in most respects. Um, The problem with – the problem I have when, and why I don't put him in number one or two is because he, I mean, he's put, he set the bar high and you know what, I have to look at his other previous seasons and kind of wonder what's like, what's hindering him from doing all that because he is capable of all of doing all that. But at some point he's going to become too much of a focal point and either he's going to get hurt or he's going to get absolutely demolished by other defensemen. So that's my issue with that, but obviously super talented guy. He needs to be top three in some respects. He needs to be number one, but I really like him at number three. It feels good. It's just the consistency factor needs to be there. So to a guy who I feel, even though this next guy is not super consistent, I think I hate him. Mr. Derrick Henry. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Mr. Derrick Henry, number two. No, I mean, I heard you say Derrick Henry. Wait, so. His consistency is his problem. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll hold it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like Nick. I prefer a certain type of runner, and Christian McCaffrey is not my prototypical runner that I would like to have. I like inside the tackle running. It's more efficient, and it's more sustainable. Even though overall I'm a guy who likes running back by committee, and I've made that super clear on this podcast, <laughs> it's the only way to win games. But anyways, Mr. Derrick Henry, number two, led the league in rushing last year, even though he missed a game. And his last last five games or six games, he had over a hundred over a hundred yards. He had four games. You know, he had th- three games where he was over 150 yards, but he missed one by one yard. I'm going to count that, so you make him four. His receiving is a little more desire, a little, you know, you want a little more out of that, but, hey, 
what you can't ask for too much, you know. Hey, I think, can I just say? I, I think if, he what 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 do you want? If you can imagine the picture of Derrick Henry standing next to Dion Lewis, I just feel like you need that mental image to to think about well, Derrick Henry. Again, there was a video. There was a picture of him standing next to Mark Ingram at Alabama. Easily had a foot on him. He's just he's too big to ignore. <laughs> and while this season may or may not be a fluke, you have to you have to make the argument that he was one of the main reasons they turned the whole thing around. I mean, they went five and one down the stretch, and he, every one of those games, the only game he didn't have over hundred yards, they lost that game. And they beat and they it's not like they're beating any slouches here. They they beat Houston twice. They beat Houston once, sorry. They beat Kansas City, you know. These aren't like these aren't like the tail end of the Eagles schedule. These are pretty decent teams that they're beating. And then they take it all the way to the championship game where just Mahomes took over. What are you gonna do? <laughs> but he beat some good teams. He beat New England, who had a really good defense. He also beat Baltimore, who's always traditionally had a good defense. And each time he goes over 100, 180 yards. He had 185 against New England and 195 against Baltimore. So this guy is a, is an absolute game changer to me, and he's found he's finally found his footing after being out of Demarco Murray's shadow for whatever reason. I always said that they should have started him over Demarco Murray because Demarco Murray didn't have anything left when he went to Tennessee, mostly because I was a bitter Eagles fan and he did nothing for us either. So <laughs> thanks. And at number one, I hate to do it because he's a cowboy, but Ezekiel Elliott, that guy's the real deal. That guy's making making Dak Prescott a lot of money. <laughs> he is. <laughs> We've seen Dak Prescott without Ezekiel Elliott. He's terrible. Terrible. Nobody wants to listen. Everybody wants to say it's all Dak. No, it's all Zeke. Zeke is the center point of that offense, not Dak. And you know what? He runs behind a good offensive line, but hey, I mean, if this is a down year, if number four in the rushing totals was a down year, sign me up for that every year. We're desperate for some running backs. So I think Ezekiel Elliott is all there. And his, and his catching ability is a little underrated. I mean, you kind of forget how good he is catching the ball because he runs with such a force. And it feels like maybe it's just me because when I watch him against the Eagles, he, he eats up yards every carry. It's mm-hmm. like five yards, four yards, five yards. I'm like, this guy's unreal. Can't get a handle on him. It's just, I, th- I think he's too, and he's been good ever since his rookie year. It's like since his first carry, he's had this kind of running mentality where it's just mean running all over the place, and I love it. If I could, I would say one thing about Zeke. Uh, you know, the, they handed him an eight-year contract or an eight-year extension. If, if I did that for almost any other running back, I'd be concerned. Like, I would think, all right, he's probably not going to last out his eight years. But just Zeke's style of play and everything makes me feel better about his longevity and actually lasting his contract more than other guys. Yeah, I mean, if there was a guy that I would bet on for eight years, it would definitely be, it would definitely be Zeke or Saquon. Those are the only two guys. But anyways, with much controversy, that's my list. I don't care what you guys think. As you should. Well, it's just <laughs> Derrick Henry is my only qualm, but, you know, I, I'm biased about him. It's just because you had Derrick Henry over Christian McCaffrey. But, I mean, I know it's a preference thing. I, I mean, I disagree, but, you know, it's a, it's a preference thing. I mean, if the Panthers, if the Panthers had made the playoffs – with him being their entire offense, then fine. I probably would have put him before it. But there's no denying what happened last year. That Tennessee turned it around. They 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 made a whole system of play actions. I mean, Tannehill lived off the play action because Derrick Henry is such a threat. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, that's except, just maybe, true. except maybe Dallas. <laughs> Even then, I've never seen it work so effectively. So I have to put Derrick Henry somewhere. And I don't understand where the hate is coming from. The guy it's put not, up 1,500 yards last year. Like, that's nothing to bat. That's nothing to, like, turn your nose up at. 
I mean, no, it's just, I guess if I didn't really take into account like team situation and I really don't like doing it with player rankings because I know some people say, oh, well, he can't be that good because his team isn't good. But I mean, I feel like that's, to me, it's a lazy argument because you got to also look at the guy who's playing because that's how people miss, miss out on guys because you think, oh, well, is he really that good? Because every time he's on that team, he's not. But then if you see him balling out, I mean, are you still going to be like, oh, you've played for a bad team? So, no, I give Derrick Henry big props. It's just – I guess when I compare – like just him in a vacuum against the other running backs in a vacuum, I just – honestly, I don't even know if I could put him – top six or seven because the guys that most of the guys we've mentioned go ahead of him. And then I think like I would put Fournette ahead of Derrick Henry just because I think Fournette can do more from a skill set. I mean, for me, Derrick Henry's kind of on par with like Josh Jacobs. And I think from this point on, I'd take Josh Jacobs because I think Josh Jacobs can catch the ball a lot better, but it's just, I mean, I know Josh Jacobs got hurt. I know he had, like, a shoulder. I think it was, like, a stinger or something. Like, it was something where he couldn't play through. Um, oh, don't worry. It wasn't like an eagle stinger where it lasts six weeks. <laughs> he, he actually had a – he had a uh, fracture. So, why did they That's keep saying – I hated that they kept saying stinger. Like, he has a stinger. So, Jordan, ha- Jordan Howard's out for the week. Well, yeah. he did have a stinger. That lasted way longer than it was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, he'll be back next week, like six weeks later. Didn't even show up. Whatever. You know, cool. I think it was just the Eagles' way of just playing Miles Sanders, <laughs> which, I mean, I have no problem with. I, I think Miles Sanders should have the job to himself, but I know Doug Peterson likes to limit the fantasy upside of all his running backs, so whatever. Yeah, because exactly. he likes to win. He likes to win actual football games, so he does the running back by committee. I guess. I guess I can't. <laughs> I I don't care. My my whole philosophy about judging the running backs is, <laughs> I feel like I should have to judge them, like how I judge a quarterback. That's the whole thing. What what? He's part. No, no, of- I'm wondering what you mean. I'm wondering what you oh, mean. I saw no, I'm, I disagree with the statement. That's why I'm looking like <laughs> I have to I, – I, like I like to judge the running backs like how I judge a quarterback. I mean, how are they positively, positively affecting their team? I mean, they're – I mean, cool if they're cool between the 20s, but when it becomes crunch time, when he needs a running – when he needs a touchdown or if he can produce anything, what good is a running back? What, what good is anybody like that? Who doesn't help you get points or win games or kind of open up space? What what good is it? Because then you just plug anybody in and they could just like get stuffed at the line the whole time. I guess what I made the the reaction is because I mean even though I think quarterbacks get judged too much on wins and losses because. Then we start giving guys like Ryan Tannehill more credit than guys who are actually better than him. Or like Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo gets ranked on the top 100 higher than Dak Prescott, even though Jimmy, Jimmy G can't touch Dak Prescott in any way as a quarterback. So I think like, I guess that's what I, that's why I made that face. And especially with running backs, because it's this whole thing that, you know, you can just put any running back in there and get 100 yards. So, if anything, I can't even hold wins and losses against a running back at all because they're the most devalued of the skill position players. So, I guess that's why I look at it like that. I mean, quarterbacks, it does matter if they win or lose, but I think, like, for example, like, you can't convince – there's no way you can convince me Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott or I'm just thinking of guys who didn't win a lot last season. Carson Wentz. Um, hell, you might even be able to really convince me Jimmy G's better than Daniel Jones, just based off pure playing the quarterback position. But I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, you know, Daniel Daniel Jones does have a bright future. 
Yeah, it pisses me off. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> I, I do. He's annoying. So, are we I'm hitting this top 100 or are we saving that for later? I feel like we could probably save it. I feel like we hit the running backs pretty hard. Right. I, I'd be okay with doing it too. I don't care. Well, I mean, how much how much issue do you guys have with the top 100? So, I did have one thing I wanted to address. Um, well, let's let's do this. Let's all address one thing about the top 100, and then let's pick it up next week. I think that'd be a good idea. Because I have so much gripe with the top 100 that I just want to get one out, like, just a little taste of my issue with the top 100. Fair <laughs> enough. So, do you want to go first or with that energy? Or? No, no, it's okay. I'll, you know what, uh, I'll bottle it up. So, so the one issue I had, and if this turns to a big thing, then I apologize, but okay. So, <laughs> on the top 100, Mr. Tom Brady. Yep. Ranked as the 14th best player in football. And a top five quarterback. I don't know. I know people <laughs> say players should have more of an opinion on this stuff, but this is telling me they should not because there was nothing I saw from Tom Brady last year that said he was a top five quarterback and he was the 14th best player in football. I mean, yes, the Patriots were 12 and four or 13 and three, one of them. That, but that defense carried it, man. That, that defense right. carried Whole team. That's insane. It's I and this is the part where I think like I have no problem with lists that only are covered by like media and like if you want to throw in like coaches or executives, that's different. I just think players hold on to oh, it's Tom Brady. Like we're not this is not a lifetime achievement thing. This is as we try to point out to Nick, this is strictly based off this past season. It's not what Tom Brady did when he was thirty. It's what did he do last season? And what he did last season was not a top five campaign. If that was a top five campaign, then I guess we gotta start paying quarterbacks less money because this is this is crazy. Um as I've been saying for years now. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> But it's that was my one gripe. Um, was Tom Brady being ranked as a top five quarterback? He clearly didn't play like it. I'm not putting it all on him because obviously he was working with a crippled receiving core at best. But even still, like <laughs> that was not a top five quarterback year. But that's that's what I got for that. Yeah. Uh kind of in that same vein, like, I feel like this list is uh, kind of talking out of both sides of its mouth, right? Like, it's going to say Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback, which for the regular season, I don't think anybody could have a gripe with. And if you're going to say it's based off of one year, like, all right, it's Lamar Jackson. But if you're going to put Tom Brady at 14 overall – then you're obviously considering some kind of career achievement. At which point I, I look to Mr. Number four, Patrick Mahomes, and say, how can, you, how can you say Patrick Mahomes is number four on the list and not one, when obviously you are taking everything into consideration. Otherwise, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be at 16 and Tom Brady wouldn't be at 14. You know what I mean? So my big gripe is that just this discrepancy in how – uh, the players kind of chose their rankings. Disrespectful to say the least. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. All right, Brian, what's the little taste you had or wanted to give? Are we still going to grant King status to Aaron Donald? Is this what we're doing now? <laughs> I mean, Aaron Donald is a great player, and maybe he deserves to be top 10. But he's not a number three. You're going to put him over Patrick Mahomes. You're going to put him over as much as I hate it, Michael Thomas. Really? Ugh. Since what, did, what has Aaron Donald done the past season that has wowed anybody? 
He hasn't done anything, in, in my opinion. Or he hasn't done that much. And I'm not gonna say any. I don't know nothing, but I mean, if we, even if we expanded out, he didn't. Well, he didn't lead the lead in, in quarterback sacks this year. He only had 12, and even though he played the whole, even though, even though he played the whole season, you know, he only he led this year in quarterback hits, but only by one. Oh, no, no, that sorry, it was a tackles for loss. Sorry, quarterback hits. He didn't he, he didn't lead the league this year, but he led the league in tackles for loss by one tackle. And like the whole goal of being an inside lineman is tackling the quarterback or tackles for loss. And he didn't even blow anybody out of the water this year. And even if you want to say like, well, he led the league last year, let's expand it out the last three seasons. Uh, Chandler Jones has more sacks per season than Aaron Donald does. So why are we still granting Aaron Donald like this God status as like the top defensive person? I would say Bobby Wagner's ahead of him, and Bobby Wagner's at number 13. Chandler Jones, the guy who has more sacks than him, is at number 15. So why is Aaron Donald still at number one, number three? It makes no sense, in my opinion. Yeah, I can't. I actually agree with you. Uh, I, like, Whoa, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um. Especially when you consider, <laughs> especially when you consider that they ranked Aaron Donald better than Patrick Mahomes. Now, I think one thing that has always been pointed out, at least since this list came out, is that the voting had to be turned in by sometime in November. Um, there's been different dates as far as what day in November, but it was sometime in November that the votes were actually put in. So. And, and the reason I brought that up because I was just about to say your rankings, Donald, ahead of a Super Bowl MVP quarterback. But obviously, the Super Bowl wasn't played in November. But even still, the Rams were pretty much dead in the water once the season started. And, I mean, I won't say it was because of Aaron Donald. Like, it was, you know, obviously, Jared Goff was vastly un- overpaid. And we started seeing some chinks and Sean McVay's armor. Um, and obviously, we could see the defense taking a step back, not having uh, Wade Phillips anymore. I believe they didn't have Wade Phillips. Um, but even still, like, Aaron Donald did what he does, but it's just, was it more valuable than Patrick Mahomes even at November? Like, I, I don't think it was. So, yeah. <sighs> I mean, like, even if we go defensively, like, I feel like Bobby Wagner has been probably the best defense defense player in the last three or four years. Right. And you you could even make an argument he's had more of an impact for his team's defense than Aaron Donald. Even though, you know, people want to point out Aaron Donald is pretty much a consistent double team. Like, if you don't double team him, he gets you a quarterback. But at some point, there are, I feel like, a lot more defensive tackles that warrant that may not may not because they are as good of a player as Aaron Donald but sometimes the guy is just big enough like you're not going to block him with just one dude or he's going to wreck your whole team so it I mean the double team eventually it kind of wears thin because it, Aaron Donald's not the only defensive tackle that has to be double teamed right you know so it's got to be something else okay. that goes beyond that Right. Like, I got to believe that other people like Chandler Jones and uh, Shaquille Barrett are probably going to get double teamed from now on. Right. Shaquille Barrett. Sorry. I'm not really good with the names, apparently. No, I mean, we know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Joey Bosa is going to get double teamed. He's going to get, like, the tight end chipping on him, you know. Uh, and uh, Cameron Jordan's gonna be double teamed. All these guys have been double teamed, you know. And all of a sudden, and frankly, they've all been, I guess, comparable to Aaron Donald the last few seasons. So, I'm just maybe it's just me that I'm not blown away at anything by what Aaron Donald has done lately. So, to give him number three seems a bit far fetched. Yeah, I have no problems with that. Actually, sorry, that was one other thing I did notice too. 
um, that I just took a look at the list. So, and I know we're short for time, but <laughs> they also ranked Russell Wilson ahead of Patrick Mahomes, which I'm not saying is yeah a huge snub, but it's just it, in I mean, my opinion. Again, no, in my, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In my opinion, it's got to be it's got to be Patrick Mahomes number one, and then I would keep Russell Wilson number two. I'm just you know the Lamar Jackson thing kind of just like a splash in the just kind of like fish out of water. It was really surprising this year. So if he keeps it up, then that's fine, you know. But I don't know. We've seen running quarter. We've seen strictly running quarterbacks don't really pan out too too long in the NFL. Right. You can go ahead, Trey. My bad. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just – I guess my only thing was, like, I get that – it's kind of like what Nick was saying. Like, it feels like for certain guys there was a different criteria taken. Like, obviously, I think if we're looking at this past season, there's no way you can't give the MVP as the number one player. But then it was – I mean, when I think in November, Russell Wilson did start the season pretty hot because I remember – as I look at some people are talking about it, you know, he was pretty much an MVP conversation with Lamar Jackson. So, and obviously yeah. Patrick Mahomes had his, was it like a dislocated knee? It was something, yeah, not dislocated knee. knee it was something, something with his knee. Patella. Dislocated Patella. So I know that he wasn't, there was a point in the season where he wasn't really doing much, but I don't know. It just, <clears throat> I guess I think about this list and, I guess I don't I don't disagree with it for the most part, but it's just certain things like and that's where I came with the whole Jimmy G because they the players had him ranked ahead of Dak Prescott and I don't know if it's just Dak Prescott's getting hate from the Cowboys, every executive that's anonymous, and now it's the players, like it's crazy. Well, I mean he wants you know what, I'm gonna say it. I'll yeah, say it for this week. We'll, we'll, it's you know what, I don't have an issue with Dak wanting a new contract because he deserves one. I just don't I absolutely disagree with what he's asking for. Fair enough. So all right, let's end it on that one. All right. So um follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, that full contact pod, both of them, and we're on Facebook. Um, any closing remarks, guys? Uh I don't know. I'm thinking. I, I, I liked doing the, the running back ranking. I thought that was pretty fun. Definitely. Yeah. Pretty interesting. You guys you guys went really vanilla with your list. Really boring. What? <laughs> and no, Nick, changing the order doesn't make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um I have I thought Mark Ingram was interesting. I like Mark Ingram, but you lost I mean, me there though. I'm Mark Ingram. <laughs> Something about the Alabama running backs, I guess. Every year he produces. Sharif really doesn't like Alabama running backs. Josh well, Jacobs, Derek Henry, Mark Ingram. What's up, man? No, I love Josh problem? Jacobs. I mean, it's just <laughs> I love Josh Jacobs, and I mean, I, I have no issues with Mark Henry it's, or Mark Henry, Mark Ingram. Um, Jesus. But the fact that Nick had him in his top five is what what lost me. Because I guess it's, it's, the thing with the list is when you put somebody somewhere, you're putting someone else behind them. And then there were, a, there were plenty of guys behind Mark Ingram that I'm like – I mean, I get the point that Mark Ingram usually overperforms his expectations, but his expectations are there for a reason. And on top of that, like, if I – think, I think I pointed it out earlier about the whole – he only had 26 catches and had five receiving touchdowns. And then you get look at, like, uh, Christian McCaffrey, who had 116. I think he only had, like, seven. So it was like Mark Ingram was incredibly lucky. But I guess that will be my closing remark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, have, I have two closing remarks, and both of them pertain to Philadelphia sports. Sixers, what the hell was that? I mean, 53 points to who knows, whoever the hell that guy was. Whoa. Don't disrespect T.J. Warren like that. T.J. Warren? Never heard of him. Bring and drop. You should have. He, he cooks the Sixers historically. Well, yeah, I, I, like I think I 
I think I heard that he had like 24 points a game against the Sixers, which is pretty good. But come on, really? I mean, I mean, yeah, is anybody yeah. is anybody really surprised that the Sixers underperformed? I'm not. That's tough because they were still in that game. I mean, the fact that that game was still competitive despite T.J. Warren having 53. Like, it'd be one thing if you told me, like, Victor, Victor Oladipo had 53. I'd be like, all right, that's a little much. But, I mean, it's Victor Oladipo. Right. But T.J. Warren, he does have a reputation of being a scorer. So, I mean, and he's he's – I think his career high up until last night was 40 points. So, he has yeah. the capability of putting in the basket. But – yeah, it was actually impressive because it looks like he was scoring most of his points on Ben Simmons, which is, I mean, the dude was just hot then. Because Ben Simmons is like, he probably is going to make all defensive first team. So. Yeah. I mean, just maybe I'm a little extra mad because I put money on it, but. That'll, that'll happen. I mean, the whole the whole thing about this bubble is that it really depends on how much Brett Brown's going to prepare his team. And if it's any indication like how they perform this season, Brett Brown, this team is not going to do very well, like I said before. They have to be prepared. And they're and they just don't seem like they are. I mean, they dropped two or three of the exhibition games, and then all of a sudden they, they lose to they underperform to the Pacers. It's just where I don't understand how this team can have so much talent on it and still vastly underperform. But I'll end it on a positive note. The Flyers start today. I'm so excited. I had to take my Flyers jersey off. It was getting warm in here. Uh, (laughs) I will be wearing it later. I will be wearing it later. They play the Boston Bruins at 3 o'clock. Nick, if you're interested. I know Sharif's not interested, but Nick, if you're interested. Just depends on what I'm doing. If I'm not doing anything, I'll definitely watch. That's commitment right there. Sharif, I got to ask, how did your – fantasy hockey team do that I helped you pick out I saw Uh, you sent me what they did yesterday but like is that good or is that bad I don't really know um well I guess this is all perspective I mean it's good to win money but okay in this perspective the most I could have won was a hundred dollars and I won two which is still not really that good but um does it tell me what place I finished so I finished 436 place out of 2,380 lineups, which I guess is like, was that, like top 20%, top 10%? Something like that. Conor McDavid, McDavid, (laughs) this dude, I guess, really filled up the stat sheet (laughs) because one one goal, I guess, was that three shots? Three shots. I think he had two assists, right? Two assists and one block, which – I don't really know what a block is in hockey. I didn't. Uh, I didn't it's when that. you it's when you block a shot and you're not in goalie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what I thought because well, I thought that was you, called a save. But you know what? You picked a bunch of Canadians, like Montreal Canadians, against the Penguins. Mm-hmm. And I was really unsure about that, but luckily they came to perform. Especially the guy Petrie, who you had on your team, who scored the overtime goal. Yeah. Yeah, that was clutch, and I really like him for that. And I think the other guy you you recommend I should stay with, um, Varlamov. Is it Varlamov? Varlamov. Yeah. Varlamov. Yeah. Stood on his stood on his head. He's pretty good. <laughs> so um, he did pretty well for me. Um, I would say the lineup actually did pretty well. Um, if you had, I know you had Justin Williams. If you traded Justin Williams for Sebastian Aho, who had a goal, you would have done a lot better. He had a goal and an assist, but you would have done a lot better. Better luck next time. <laughs> don't don't sleep in on the set. <laughs> he, Nick, he let me know that he slept in and didn't even change his team after Bruh. I made him all this. Yeah, man. It, uh, it, yesterday was rough, man. I mean, not rough in a bad way, but obviously had a four day four days off of work and <laughs> got to take advantage of it. So. Yeah, got to enjoy not working right now, huh? Yeah, but. I did win some money, so I appreciate your help, Brian. It was clutch. Okay. Should have a good team today. Are you betting today? Um, am I? Let me look at my calendar. <laughs> yes, you were no. No, 
But I might. When does the game start? Two o'clock. So you got an hour and a half. I might do it. I'll say if I do it, I'll send you the lineup. Does it does it cost money? I'll we'll we'll go have you on it. Um, I mean, it's all based on how much you because there's an entry fee. You could I mean you could play for free or there's an entry fee and some are like twenty five cents, some are a dollar. So it all depends what kind of action you're looking for. It's a little it's a little pricey for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right well that we'll end it on there uh follow us on twitter follow us on instagram we're at full contact pod we're a little running a little long today just because i'm just shooting the shit i guess just accepted <laughs> <laughs> all right nick sharif thanks for joining me today Deuces. And also thank you up. for taking and also thank you for taking over the last show, which I have yet to put up. My bad. I will put it up today. All right. So good. <laughs> All right. Later guys. All right. See ya. See ya.